Hello once again. Welcome to the Non-Traditional Scholar Podcast. I'm your host, Jan. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our fresh, out-of-the-box episode. Our latest episode, episode number nine. It's going to be an exciting one. And it's going to be an inspiring one. And one that uh, will leave you hopefully pleasantly surprised. Please continue to like rate comment provide feedback collaborate with us and me at the podcast as you know it means the world to me to know that i'm on the right track and spreading the love and helping others feel inspired at pursuing an education Uh, also please spread the love to everybody and anyone that you may feel would appreciate a podcast like this Uh, greatly appreciated so in this podcast episode number nine we're going to start by me asking you all a question. What comes to your mind when you think of the phrase, say yes, those two words. Now, for some of you, you may ultimately initially conclude say yes to the dress. Well, I'm not a marriage counselor, so I'm not going to talk about marriage. So strike one for others. When you hear the phrase, say yes. If you're an 80s baby or a 90s baby, you might infer initially the opposite. Just say no, because that was the phrase coined by the first lady, Nancy Reagan, and her campaign in saying just say no to drugs. That's not what we'll be discussing in this episode either. Say yes will be a theme throughout this episode because it propelled someone forward and allowed themselves to transform and experience a metamorphosis in their life beyond their wildest dream. Now, who is this person? Well, they started out born and raised in America's Dairyland. Small town, no more than 6,000 people. So, at first, their world was very limited in terms of scope and size. But along their path, they found ways and people who saw something in them which allowed themselves to pique their interest and expand their horizon beyond their wildest dream. And the way they did that was when opportunity presented itself and when there was a door that opened in front of them that seemed very scary at first and seemed very overwhelming, they found some way every single time to say yes so those two words will permeate this episode but hopefully also connect with you and permeate who you are as a human being through the speaker because they are powerful and one thing you are learning about this podcast and the episodes throughout the podcast is how you manifest your success through the words you believe and apply So the two words that I'd like for you to enter this episode with is say yes. And now you shall see why. Allow me to introduce you all to Mrs. Kelly Hernandez. The rest, I'll allow her to do herself. Ladies and gentlemen, episode number nine, say yes with confidence and not fear. Mrs. Kelly Hernandez. So hello. Uh, first and foremost, um, thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. Um, to get the audience a little bit more acquainted with who you are, uh, could you please introduce yourself, name, title, and uh, your current position at the college that you are working at today? Sure, yeah. My name is Kelly Hernandez, and I work as an academic writing coach at the medical campus of Miami-Dade College. Wow. And I've been in this this position almost four years. Four years. How long have you been with the college in general? Yeah, since 2009, and we're in 2023, so a good good time. Uh, I started at Pajon campus. I was there for almost, no, for over 10 years. 
little you're that padron and what were you doing in at padron what was your position or your yeah i started out uh with a grant and it was a grant to help english language learners accelerate um their language learning and so it was a content-based accelerated english language program i was there for a couple years as a curriculum assessment specialist which i loved and then i went into recruitment i worked in student service i was the director of recruitment there about that's, seven so speak, years that's great so you speak more than one language i sure do yeah i, I speak uh, spanish and i speak english i've studied different languages but right now spanish is quite strong i live in little havana you know how to defend yourself i sure can and more and more <laughs> well done so you spent time at padron and um you said that you worked in student retention services, correct? Students, uh, yeah. What was your, how was your experience working in that position? Well, I really enjoyed helping high school students get into college. I just loved their energy. I loved all their questions. Um, I liked uh, in motivating them. Some of them needed motivation, some of them didn't. And um, I tried to cultivate curiosity. And also inspiration. I try to fold in my story a little bit with them. Um, but uh, no, I really enjoyed working, especially with high school and, and non-traditional students, adult students. But high school students, I, I find to just be a lot of fun. That's it's great. Moldable, moldable. That's great. That's great. So how, are you someone who was born and raised in Miami? Nope. I grew up in rural Wisconsin, actually. Right. Yes. The cheese capital of that's right, America's Dairyland. Yeah, that's you know, right. it, it was um, the opposite of Miami, um, almost non diversity. <laughs> uh, but that made me really curious of what's out there. Let's see, and I had a teacher in high school from Bolivia. Shout out to uh, Senora Rosa Hamilton who turned her classrooms into an immersion experience. You walked into her class and it was welcome to Bolivia. I mean, it was very intense language program in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, I love this. Like, wait, I can speak another language. Like people can understand me. I can talk to them. I was like, I don't want to blow my mind. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Interesting. So you took her at what level, grade level? Um, 10th, 11th, and 12th. The last three years i got so curious i was like i want to learn french they're like there's no french at this school look we're surrounded by cornfields so we had we had a correspondence course there was a french teacher in another in another in a, another city but well, we weren't really one by city well six thousand okay and so we would do it by correspondence and so we had these kind of microphones it was just it was just uh um Actually, it was just me. I come to think it was just me. And in my German class, we did a correspondence class. And it was three of us with a teacher from another city who was, you know, way, way before Zool. You know, it was a correspondence. I was like, this is so neat. So I kind of got addicted to languages a little bit. Actually, having always been passionate for languages prior to that? No, I think it was my, my teacher from Bolivia who really got me excited. And I was like, wow, I want to see the world. She um, really had a huge impact on my on my life. What what a teacher can do. I mean, it, life life altering. You don't think that you know you're you're sitting in class conjugating verbs like voy vas va vamos vais van, and all of a sudden it's like vamos. You know, <laughs> that's fantastic, fantastic. So you've traveled. I have traveled quite quite a bit. I when when I graduated from high school, um, I I saved up my my money. I worked as a had so many jobs, but I worked as a waitress and um, I, I had the dream I wanted to go to Spain as an exchange student. So right after high school, I spent a year there. Fantastic. And so Where about all around? Sevilla. No, in Sevilla, in one, in one town in, in, in Sevilla. From Wisconsin to Spain. Yes. Yeah. And her, her uh, my Spanish teacher's um, instruction was so effective. I mean, I, from day one, I could... I could understand and defend myself, you know. Yeah, I was taking high school cl classes, which is like equivalent of college here, and it was challenging. But I was like, "Wow, I'm like, I can understand." Um, so it was really 
really uh, exciting time in my life to spend a year in, in Spain. That 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 feels uh, like a different universe from us. It was. And not just Spain, but also being in a big city and, um, and and with the family. There's a lot of cultural, oh, a lot of cultural things that I had to learn. And uh, but it was it was incredible to be living a culture that I was just uh, months before learning about in a classroom in in the middle of nowhere. It felt. Yeah. So, if I were to ask you, uh, someone who is the lover of language. Uh-huh. If you could describe Sevilla, <laughs> one word in Spanish, what would that word be? And uh, oh, Sevilla, uh, uh, dance, music, food. That's three words. Oops, I cheated. But I think um, music. I guess maybe because I was uh, I was interested in learning how to dance Sevillanas, which is a form of flamenco. So I guess I connected that. Maybe another person would say something else, but yeah. for you, it was the music within within the city. Within yeah. the city. So you spent one year mm-hmm. in Spain, and uh, educational wise, uh, what was the next step? The next step, yeah. So I came back. You know, um, I grew up very uh, middle class. I, I'm the youngest of five children. And um, we also, growing up, we also had foster children in our home. We always had a lot of people in our home. And um, I couldn't, you know, after that experience, I can't say to my parents, you know, now pay for college for me. You know, they helped me out. I worked hard to get there. I saved up for a year because it was before the time of, like, I didn't have a credit card. It was all like, you know, you had what you had. Um But when I came back, I knew I well, I wanted to go to college. There was no choice, but I couldn't really say to my parents, "Hey, now finance my school," especially with a big family. Right. Yes. Um, and so I had to figure out how am I going to pay for college. So um, I'm back in small town. So you know the the climax of my life is over. You know, living the life abroad, and it's you know you're living the dream. Then you come home and you're looking around like, okay, so now what I want to do? Well, there's I can work on a you know. It, What, what am I going to do? So there was a factory there in the small town and um, for car parts. And so I was like, okay, want to go to college. I don't have any money because I just, you know, spent it all in Spain, right? And so I, I got a, a shift at a car, a car parts plant and it works 3 to 11 every night or every day in the, in the evening. And then I'd wake up and there's no university in my small town. So I had to commute to the next city over, La Crosse, University of Wisconsin, La Crosse. So I would, you know, work my shift until 11, wake up in the morning, drive to La Crosse. And of course, this is, you know, winters and, you know, it, it, was, uh, it was a jaunt. Yeah. Uh, I would take my classes there and go to the factory with my backpack on and take my backpack off and then work for eight hours. Uh, and I was... I. I I, I, they probably could have filmed a comedy show with me keeping up on the assembly line with parts falling off and the supervisor on top of me and I'm feeling so stupid and I'm, you know, but, you know, I was going to college. I wanted to to, to go on with my life. So I ended up working there a, a year and a half while going to university. Paid my way. Uh, and it was really challenging because you just feel like this machine, you know, And yeah, yeah. parts just keep coming and it never, sh- never stops. Um, but it made me even more resilient. Like I am going, gonna, gonna, gonna make this, I'm gonna do it. And I remember going to, to La Crosse, to the university and I had a anthropology class and my professor was like, you know what? You don't belong here. I'm like, well, what do you mean? I don't belong here. It's like now. You need to be somewhere else. I'm like, what are you thinking? He's like, thinking like Harvard or Yale. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like, uh, I gotta go. I gotta go, you know, punch into my shift. You know, I gotta drive. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I really think you could be doing more. And I was like, you know, 
I knew I loved languages. I knew I loved to travel. He's like, well, you know, I love, I don't know if it was a cousin and uncle, bro. I don't know what it was. He's like, it was in the foreign service. I was like, okay, tell me more. He's like, well, foreign service. And then explain what that is. You, know, you could be a diplomat and you could travel and use your language. And like, wow, that sounds really intriguing. So, um, so let, let me look into that. And I remember he believed in me so much. He's like, and he knew I was like, just, you know, straddling commuting and working at this factory. And he's like, you know what? Don't even worry about the final exam. Really? It's like, your work has proven yourself. Don't even show up. You got an A in the class. I was like, is that like, right? I was like, I don't care. You know, he's like, no, you, you, you go on, you know? And, uh, it really gave me confidence. And, uh, I, you know, ended up pursuing going into the school of foreign service and moved out east, moved to Washington, D.C., and got in school my choice, and here I was. And so you think, oh, great, you know, dreams come true, woo. But um, I, um, you know, showed up to school, as Georgetown University, I showed the school surrounded by people who, honestly, I could not relate to, and they couldn't relate to me. I thought I kept feeling like, are they going to find out that I really don't belong here? That, you know, that imposter sy syndrome. I was like, one of these days, someone's going to knock on my door, door and say, you know what? It was an accident. You really shouldn't have gotten in, you know? <laughs> and so I felt that many times I felt really insecure. One hell of a roller coaster. Kelly just described. Up, down, left, right, over and under, loop-de-loops. But one thing about her story, once she found people who saw something bigger in her than she saw in herself, she embraced it. And that opened doors to experiences beyond her wildest imagination. Now that doesn't mean she wasn't scared. That doesn't mean she wasn't doubtful or insecure. And that doesn't mean simply walking through those doors and those opportunities meant a more fruitful, enjoyable, and pleasant life. Because in those opportunities, she was faced with many challenges. And those challenges could have caused her to second guess herself. And more often than not, they did. And those challenges were difficult to adjust to, to adapt to, and to overcome. So what were some of those challenges that helped mold and shape Kelly to the person that she is today? Well, I will allow Kelly to describe some of those obstacles herself. And keep in mind that despite the obstacles that she faced internally and externally, she remembered to always say yes to the good opportunities and find ways to say no to those opportunities which would have potentially led her down a wrong path or limited her potential to find her purpose. I, I felt so like not in my element. I was like, I know, I know simple people. You know, I've, I grew up surrounded by farms and I mean, I, I'm like, I don't know how to connect. Um, but I, you know, I, I got over my security. I made friends. It also made me also look inward. Like, what do I really value? Like, what do I, what do I want to do with my life? It made me, you know, do, um, you know, what what more do I want to do with my life? Yeah, I feel like I've made it. Like I had my, my year abroad. Um, I also had had a chance to study in Argentina too. I got in this great school. And it made me think, okay, what else is there? You know, what is really my purpose? Is it to, you know, have this, um, to reach this um, pinnacle of, of feeling I'm in, in the high, high society life? You know, because that way there's a lot of kind of high society, high, really high socioeconomic, um, classes, uh, it was sort of people went to boarding schools and, you know, it was just a, a whole different kind of culture. Like, what do I want now? 
I've, I've kind of made my dream and I did end up taking the foreign service exam. I, you know, passed, I was set to go, but I was waitlisted and then, yeah, I was waitlisted and I never got into the foreign service. Yeah. So I was. That was because there were so many people applying during the time that you submitted your. Brilliant. Yeah. And so you, you, when you pass the exam, you have two years to be placed and then you have to kind of start all over again. It's a really rigorous to, there's a, a written assessment, there was an oral exam. And so I, I ended up not, you know, being offered a position, but it was okay because I, you know, th through that time, I, um, I found other things to do and other passions and, and so I, you know, I got other jobs. I ended up coming here in Miami, which, which I love. And, um, I did a, a lot of different uh, travels in between, so it was okay. But I guess what, what that taught me was to always say yes to the good. Cause I could have just blown off what that professor said. It was like, yeah, right. Maybe, you know, but to pursue when there's a door in front of you and it's good open it like when i went to spain when i went to when i got into the school of my choice um and and other opportunities like say yes like even even miami um i remember when my husband had the opportunity to get a, a job here in miami it was it was nashville or miami it was like miami <laughs> and i remember like wow if there's one place i want to work in miami was Miami Dade College. Really? Yeah, even more than UM or any, you know, I, I was like, I want to be in Miami Dade College because mm. I didn't want to, how do I say this? I wanted to be in a place where I could really connect with the students, the working class students, students who may feel like, wow, um, I'm in over my head. Because I remember feeling, oh, I'm in over my head. I wanted to be in a place where I could really make a difference. I wanted to be in a place um, that was diverse. I wanted to be in a place um, where I could share my experiences, be heard, make a difference. And I and also, I just wanted to speak a lot of Spanish again, too. Great. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So you definitely had a non-traditional path towards where you are today in terms of your academic journey. Um, you worked full time while pursuing your undergrad, and it was definitely an arduous schedule to say the least. Three to eleven, and then right after, directly traveling a, a a good a good amount of time to get to the city where your university was, lacrosse. Uh, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you. You had a, another opportunity where someone saw something in you mm -hmm. and um, challenged you to do more. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the phrase uh, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, in your experience in working at the college, um, have you encountered students who felt similarly in terms of their potential and whether or not they could say yes to a door that was open to them? And if you have... How, how were you able to encourage them to walk through? Yeah. Um, well, it's hard to sometimes articulate imposter syndrome because you don't, you may not even have heard that term. You may just feel like you, you don't belong. Right. And I think we all have moments, many moments of, of insecurity and we doubt ourselves and we feel like, um, either we feel that there's a fear of failing, there's a fear of trying. I think there's a, f a fear of just going out on a limb and, and looking silly and feeling silly or, or, or in the past, maybe you've said something, you didn't use the right word and someone laughed at you, or you, you attempted maybe a sport and you bombed. I remember I, t I was in track, I was, was not that good. I remember when I was waitressing that, you know, to save money for college, I was a horrible waitress. I mean, there's a lot of things. The factory work, uh, disaster, okay? Um, I mean, they, the, 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 shit, the parts were falling off the assembly. And I had, oh, you know, and the people laughing at me like, oh, she's, she thinks she's college material, you know? But, um, but I think for students, they, 
they simply may not be as directed. I see. And so maybe it's not even, wow, um, I feel out of place. They don't even know the place they should be. Um, and so when they are in a place, maybe they say, oh, I just go to college by default. They're there and they're just aimless or purpose purposeless. Correct. You know? And you may start with a purpose. You you strive for that or a goal and you complete that. And then it's a matter of like, now what? For example, there's people in high schools. They're in high school, they're like the star athlete, they're super confident, they get to college, and they're like, Who am I? Nobody. You know, and they have to kind of start again. Or or the same thing coming from a job. You might have been a hot shot in one job and you come to another job and they're like, they don't know you from Adam, you know? Um, so was, you asked, you know, how have I really inspired a student? I I think I I share my story about pursuing dreams because um, I think sometimes that awakens dreams in, in, in students. And I think it's a scary thing to even articulate dreams, you know, to say, this is what I set out to do. Um, cause maybe your f family cannot relate to that dream. I know in my case, my parents were super, super supportive, but they're like, yeah, why, why do you want to go to Spain? What's over there? You know? Um, and, and then when I got back, I was like, yeah, and there's a program I can go to Argentina. They're like, um, oh, okay. You know, they were super supportive. They, you know, I didn't, you know, when I returned from my trips abroad, they weren't like you know, sit down, we want to ask you tons of questions. Their life was their life. My life was my, and it's hard to help people understand, like, this is what this meant to me, you know, in the same way, it's hard to share, you know, their passions for, you know, the, the family business or whatever. And so, um, yeah, I'm kind of getting away from your, from your question, but I think sharing your own story, even if they can't, fully relate they'll be able to relate in in some way i think we all are searching for purpose we all want a life that matters we all want to find the doors that we should open sometimes we open open doors that we really shouldn't be opening you know you should just go you know close that quickly you know and i think in youth it's easier to open a bunch of doors you're like maybe keep that closed i see i see You mentioned your anthropology professor. Yeah. Um, and if you could take the audience and me back to that moment, um, was there any resemblance in terms of that professor and your Spanish teacher that was from Bolivia uh, when you were in high school in terms of their engagement with you or their interaction with you? Um, how, how did you navigate that particular course and that particular semester at that point in your life to take the decision and take the leap uh, towards Georgetown. Yeah, I think it was um, kind of an awakening, and I've had a uh, couple of those. I remember, I, you know, growing up, I always had like really smart friends. You know, my two best friends have doctors, one in medical anthropology, another one in food science, and I always had like smart friends. But I always felt like I wasn't the the smart one among my smart friends. And they would have the special book, you know, the pink book, and I'd have the blue book, or they'd have, you know, the books that differentiate level. And I'm like, oh, they're always like advanced. And I remember my, in, in sixth grade, we when we had to take these standardized tests, I had a teacher was like, you did really well. I'm like, I did really well. He's like, yeah, like you did really, really well. And I was, you know, I was, to, to me, what was on my mind was let's go out and play, you know, like play, I wasn't thinking. He's like, no, you did surprisingly well. And that was just a little seed of, you know, you could do something. You could do something maybe or out of the ordinary, you know. And then my Spanish teacher, she just gave me through her teaching, not direct like, hey, Kelly, you're going to be great or whatever. Just through her teaching, she gave me confidence that I could, I could use this skill out there. You know, even though out there was just this rural community, but like I didn't know what out there meant, right? right? And then I had the anthropology teacher who who showed me that um, I, I had potential. I mean, it was it was kind of a, a resting moment, like, wow, like, really? It's not my friends that are like, can, can do these awesome things, but I, I, can, I can also 
do something that that's mm, pretty or, out of the extraordinary, extraordinary. Um, and and I and I hope that our students, if they're listening, that they can find people in their life that they will connect with these people who really encourage them um, to see that there is something unique about them, that they have s- secret sauce that no one else has. That's true. Um, I think there's power to to our words when we share things, even little things that we think are just not that impactful. And I don't think he went home to his wife that night and said, I had this amazing conversation with Stu Knight, inspired here to go, you know. It was just a conversation, you know. But if we can harness these conversations we have with students and with people, with our neighbor, wherever we are, to alert people to what they have, what they have is something really, really unique and powerful, even though it might be a little, little thing. It can grow into something bigger. Moment. Uh, I believe, based off of what you've shared so far, you definitely have a unique perspective that many of our students may feel. And in that is, you have an experience unlike other professors or other academic advisors to where you went from small school, small town, and mm-hmm. you took a very big leap into an Ivy League institution. Some students at our college may feel that that leap is too big. Mm-hmm. So my question is, what are the, is there or what are some of the biggest differences between mm-hmm. an Ivy League school outside of the, the, the student body in terms of the curriculum? Um, is there that big of a difference? Uh, or And if there is, what is it? And is there a need to fear that uncertainty as much as some students may fear? Yeah. Making that leap. Well, I... To me, to me, I liken it to athletics. It's like it's easy to be, you know, star athlete at a small, a small high school, but then you go to a big school and you're going to be you're going to be competing with the best of the best. And so there is some healthy fear, like you may not. I hate to break it, you may not be as prepared as you think. You know, I know when I went. I mean, I studied so much because I felt like I was sort of like remediation or something. Like I had to study a lot. I had to study more my undergraduate than I did for my doctorate and master's. I mean, it was like, it was like, you know, put on your seatbelt because you're going to be doing tons of reading. They're not playing, you know, they don't just open the door to anyone. Like you have to prepare yourself. And I can say to to any student, whether you, you uh, are secure, insecure, and everywhere in between. You're going to have to work hard, but don't fear that. You may have to uh, put in three times the amount of time as other students, but who cares? You all, you will come up with the same piece of paper. And and that is, that's all right if you work hard. In fact, you will value it more. You'll become much more of an empathetic educator. And you say, well, I'm not going to be a teacher. No, we are always educating. Through our conversations, we are educating. We are educating people. Think of how many conversations you learned from. It wasn't like, I'm going to sit down and teach you now. No, maybe learn something there right now. You know, and so I think it, it, it turns you in a person who can relate. So yeah, it's going to be a struggle. You're going to have to work really hard. And um, that's just your journey. And you're going to have to, just it's a bitter swilled up a bitter pill to swallow but life's not it's not fair life's better than fair we get a pretty good deal here you know every single day we get so much more than we deserve so if you got to work harder than the next student whoop de do <laughs> you know that is the the privilege of being called to something higher than what you are right now and the, okay that's all. Yeah. I, I I really enjoy how you close to that state. That is the privilege of being bigger than what you are right now. Being called to do something bigger than what you are right yeah. now. Many of our students have that agency, and um, stories like yours and 
and conversations like these can help unlock their agency in order for them to redefine what they're fearful of and and not not dismiss it but own it in a different interpretation own it mm-hmm. challenge instead of as something that they want to run and hide um and stay in their comfort zone and i think your words speak heavily to that so um thank you for that 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 response It took you in your trajectory quite some time to find what you call purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that your purpose has evolved over time? Uh, my purpose has definitely, definitely changed over time. Um, I think, you know, when I was younger, my goals were very short term. You know, I graduated, I remember I had very specific, I wanted to. I wanted to visit Spain, Argentina, and Italy. But when I went to Spain, Italy's right around the corner, really. And when I went to Argentina, I, w- I did a, a year there studying. Um, and so it's like, tick, okay, done. Okay, now what? Aransko, my choice, done. So it's like, ooh, not what's next? So I think my purpose has gone from kind of short-term tick them off goals to more larger goals. And I've also evolved as a person. I've also become much more grounded in my faith too. In my youth, it wasn't so much of a the value. Um, I think college was a real turning point, and then and beyond. And so my purpose is is it goes beyond just personal life goals, but more goals for for others. Um, I. I'm much more concerned, um, I mean, about the emotional and spiritual state of people more than just like economic status and that kind of thing. So that definitely is a navigating factor in my life. Um, uh, for example, I, I, I work um, on a board of directors for a school in Haiti. Wow. I, 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 I teach kids on Sunday uh, morning uh, morning I do Bible classes for kids uh, I've served on diversity committee for my church so I really so I've, I definitely evolved in my in my purpose um, as far as um, my job and my purpose and like day-to-day purpose is I really want to help my students succeed and I want them to really grow um, their curiosity see and risk-taking and risk-taking and, and good things right risk-taking in, in writing for example um it's very common to hear people say you know i hate math i hate math it's very good math 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 but i think equally people like writing like i'm not good at writing i'm not good at writing and i want to help students be um have the skills to have confidence in their writing i think it's so powerful when people begin to write, just this conversation. They go, I'm doing a podcast. Who am I to be doing a podcast? But through our communication, maybe so it will it may inspire, help edify another person. And to think if this were written down, I mean, people could read it perpetuate, per, perpetuity. Or what? You know what I'm talking about. Yes. That word. I can see it, but for some reason, I can't pronounce it right now. <laughs> perpetuity. Perpetuity. That's the word. Yeah. That's wonderful. Do you remember the phrase at the beginning of the episode that I asked you to think on and remember throughout Kelly's testimony? Say yes. Very interesting regarding how Kelly took that phrase and personified it and embraced it in a way to use it in her life and in her life's calling to eventually become the person that she is today. What's even more interesting is how she walked through those doors of opportunity by saying yes to them and then ultimately discovering her magic and converting her magic into another phrase that she coined in her own episode called Secret Sauce. 
I believe that break, finding your secret sauce, was so impressive and made a huge impression on myself. Because I think once you find your secret sauce, it enables you to be able to cultivate and curate the light, the life that you are trying to live. Some of the reasons to why people don't discover their secret sauce is not just because they don't say yes to the right opportunities. Sometimes they say yes to the wrong opportunities, but also when they are faced with certain challenges that come along the way, um, if the challenge is too difficult, they run away from it and they no longer embrace overcoming the obstacle. If you are pursuing an education, two of the greater challenges for many students is overcoming certain subjects that they may feel they're very weak at. Two subjects in particular are mathematics and writing. Certain students tend to avoid writing because they may feel that writing is not a strong suit in who they are. So they either drop certain courses, no longer pursue an education, or they try to find an easy way out. In this day and age is certain AI software like ChatGBT, which enables students to instantly find the end result without actually putting in the work. So I asked Kelly, what are some tricks and tips and words of advice that she could give our listeners in terms of facing those challenges, such as writing and overcoming them? One last thing I'd like to mention is a quote that Kelly lives by. And that quote she will mention later on in the episode. But ultimately the quote specifically is that people who are changing the world prioritize connection with others. Dave Asprey, the author of the quote. Now, remember that quote, connecting with others. And realize how connections you make with other human beings can help propel you forward. The rest, Kelly will explain herself. So let's talk about writing first. Um, many students, young, old, and in between, may have a a fear of writing. Yeah. And they may not be comfortable writing formally. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge that may even cause certain students to to give up on their pursuit of academic success. Right. So in terms of writing and, and how powerful writing can be, what skills and, and, and what advice do you provide to your students to hopefully unlock that block and mm-hmm. up a, a pathway towards intrigue, inquiry, and... and ultimately confident mm-hmm. in the ability to write. How do you take a student that sees writing a negative and turn it into a positive? Sure. Well, um, if I could say the one word, I'd say copy. I'm not talking plagiarism. <laughs> okay, so you may have to do, you know, listen to this again. I said copy, okay, but not plagiarize. Great artists imitate great artists. Great musicians imitate great musicians. If you want to become a great writer or decent or good or competent, whatever adjective you want to throw in there, you have to imitate. And the only way to imitate writers is by reading, reading, reading. You're like, oh, I don't have time. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Then listen, listen to books. Listen to educated people on podcasts, videos, whatever you want to do. But there is no way to produce good language without great input. It's the same with language learning. How did I learn Spanish? Immersion. How do you be, How do you write fluently? You have to be immersed in good language. And so, you know, if you're not a strong reader, you gotta, you got to become a strong reader. And the only way you do that, it's a skill you build. It's, it's like going to the gym. You, day one, you're flabby, you know? But you, you go day after day and you make those flabby muscles, flabby flabs, 
whatever into into muscle and the same thing with writing i tell students you have to engage with your reading before you sit down to write your paper and you're there here i go da, 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 like you're off to the races on the typewriter no you cannot do that you have to get into the material read a lot read your textbook well, I, you know, the textbook is dense. You don't understand. It's boring. I mean, I know I see the textbooks here at the medical camps. They're like super thick and they're really complex. You, you got to do the work. It's elbow grease. You have to read a lot in order to produce good language. And then practice, practice, practice. I mean, I'm old school. I know it's, it's, it's unorthodox now to write with a red pen. You're not supposed to do that. But that's how I learn. I, I you know... That's how I learn is uh, getting those papers back all messed up, you know. I always appreciated the professor that used the red pen on my teeth. <laughs> I just feel like she took the time yeah. to actually break down my paper. And even if it was flooded with red ink, I preferred that more than a check mark or a check minus. You know, I, I just felt much more appreciative sure. feedback. Yeah. That, that got me to be more motivated to improve myself. The, in the world that we live in, everything mm -hmm. is instant gratification in this digital age. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm pretty sure you've come across the new technology chat. Sure. You sure? Uh, and how that can simplify the elbows that we yeah. need to put in in order to arrive at the outcome. Uh, what's your thoughts on? software like that that tends yeah. to try to get people from point a to point z without much of the work well what happens with gpt i mean they do a fine job and summarizing and all that um but it's it's not for learning sake um and i and i tell the students the only way you can learn a material is by putting it into your own words Correct. And I tell students, and, and now I'm getting a little ready technical, but, you know, lay off, lay off on the quotes, you know, like a, a quote here and there sparingly, you know, it's like throwing in this conversation, a few je ne sais quoi, you know, just a few little words and you're like, oh, that's nice. But if every other word I'm saying is a quote to you, it's, this is not a really original conversation. And so I say paraphrase information, paraphrase it, because when you can paraphrase it, you've understood it. And ChatGPT completely takes that out. You don't have to put in your own. If you cannot put in your own words, you have not learned it. It's right. easy to cut and paste, but it's not your language. So yeah, you can use GPT as long as you're not interested in learning. If you are interested in just getting the assignment done, use it. It's cheating. You have no wall, okay, but you're not going to learn anything. What is the fun of all this if you don't walk away with knowledge that's your own? Yeah. You're going to just walk around your life leaning on AI to, to be your brain. I, I would rather, to me, what's exciting about being in college is the learning aspect. If not, what are we doing here? What, what, is, this, what is this about? You know? I, I agree. And I think based off your story, uh -huh. I, it would be completely different for, for you in terms of who you are mm -hmm. if you saw Spain and Italy and Argentina from a YouTube clip yeah. in comparison to what you actually did. Yeah. You 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 appreciated and, and, and learned much more yeah. about the culture and how it impacted you. And now you can deliver it in a completely different way as opposed to watching an hour documentary. Right. Every single thing that you saw, but through that lens. And I, yeah. I feel like it's a relief. Um clear analogy in terms of what you're discussing when you're using that if you really want to learn you you have to put it in your own words you have to actually what you are studying and find a way to deliver it in your own way and that allows it to stick mm -hmm. I, I, yeah actually when i'm delivering uh, presentations uh, to nursing students and i'm talking about this i actually grab a magic wand and i go you know what happens when you paraphrase you learn <laughs> so I actually use my magic wand. I'm like, something magical happens. That's you beautiful. learn it. That's and it's, it's something so cool that you can put something in your own words. I mean, you got it. That means it's yours forever and ever and ever. It's yours with your patience. It's yours with your 
when you're speaking to your family, it's yours, you know, it's your significant others. That knowledge is yours and no one can take that away from you. You know? That's wonderful. Wonderful. Um yeah. one more questions for you. Sure. Don't mind. Um could you and would you be so open to share with the audience as of who you are now, Kelly Hernandez? What is what do you think is Kelly Hernandez's greatest Weakness. Well, it's it's been a weakness for a long, long time, and that is, uh, I just get involved in way too many things. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 I remember when I was in middle school, I was walking home. No, I wasn't walking home. That was too far. But I was walking to my sister's house because to walk home, like we had like a mile long driveway, which was gravel. But um, I remember like feeling overwhelmed and I was just in middle school. I'm like, why am I overwhelmed? I shouldn't be overwhelmed. I'm too young. I was like, wait, oh, because I have musical practice and cheerleading and I'm in the speech club and I'm this and I can't even remember all the things, but I was involved in everything. Like, cause I was like, I just, I've always lived by like when a good opportunity comes, you just go for it, you know? And then it's like too much. And so to me, it's my weaknesses is just kind of, I don't know if I want this to be brought this, but like staying in my lane, you know, it's like, hey, the, let me try that. And, you know, um, let me, let me do this and let me experiment with that. And so what happens is I end up getting overwhelmed because I was like, I've, I've taken on too much and I really grow with that. I remember when I was in, uh, when I was in college, no, after I graduated from college, I was a young professional and, um, I was, uh, I was really involved in our singles ministry. And every night I had a Bible study every night, every night. And I remember my neighbor was super ambitious. Like, I don't know if she, she remember, I think she'll remember, but she like super ambitious. She was like Harvard educated lawyer. I mean, this is someone who like knows like what ambition is. And she's like, Kelly, you're way too ambitious. Like, what are you talking about? You're ambitious. She's like, no. She's like, you cannot, you can never take a day off, can you? I'm like, am I supposed to? She's like, see, you don't even get this conversation. You don't even understand what I'm trying to tell you. Take a day off. I'm like, like, you mean like Sunday morning? She's like, no, I'm not talking about just Sunday morning. She's like, you need to like learn how to relax. And so I'm still like, I've come a long way. I don't feel like I have to have every single night booked out. But I still, that's my greatest weakness is just too much. And I also think, you know, our life is so short. There's so much to experience. There's so many um, conversations to be had, so many things to discover, so many people to meet. Um, I, I feel kind of the pressure to, to pack it in. And I think sometimes I, I do need to just chill. So, but luckily my husband's like the opposite. He's like, What's the rush, you know? <laughs> so we, we help each other, but I'm like, we know what that is. Yeah, I think that's a weakness, yeah. I see. Speaking of words, let's, if you don't mind, play a little game. Okay. Game will be, I'm going to mention one thing that you came across in your life, and you, you try to describe that one thing in one word. Oh, for example, we did Sevilla and you gave three words. Uh, you mentioned music, right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna state something and you try to describe it in your own, in your own word, one word. One word. Okay. Yeah, and then we'll come back and I'll ask you, why did you choose that word for those? Ooh, okay. 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 All right. So let's start with college. Okay. That wasn't my word. I said, okay, but I retract that. Okay. <laughs> Discovery. Miami Dade College. Equalizer. Equalizer. Travel. Adventure. Adventure. Education. And I know it's a one word, but I want to say open doors. Can I can I make that a compound word? Yes. For now. Okay. Open doors. Open doors. And then last one. 
Wisconsin. That's a hard one. I, 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 the first word was green, although that doesn't help anyone. Um, I, ho uh, homeland. Home, I'll say homeland. Homeland. Yeah. So you mentioned open doors. Yeah. Equalizer. Mm hmm Discovery. Mm hmm Homeland. Mm hmm All words that are very powerful mm -hmm. in my, um, and they shaped you. You would agree they shaped you wholehearted. Uh, if you were able to take yourself back to an opportunity where you were trying to recruit mm -hmm. a 19-year-old yeah. Miami-Dade resident just out of high school, not sure what they wanted to do, um, suffering from imposter syndrome, not sure if college is for them, um, how, how would you take those concepts, constructs, yeah. motivate that student to say yes and walk through that door? Mm -hmm. How would you, how would you convince them? or at least invite them to walk through that. And, well, it's, you, know, you, you take the first step, there's always the application, da, 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 all the bureaucratic stuff. But I, I think that it's really important for students, I know this is gonna sound so wacky. I think it's really important for students to work while they're in college. Really? I think it's important for them to straddle work world and college at the same time. It helps them manage their time but I think my, I think the advice that I, I feel is most solid that I would give to a student is get a work study job because college is, is, is it's of course it's the classes, it's the professors, of course, but really it's the people you meet. It's all about the connections that you're making. It's, I, I feel so strongly about this, Yana, is it's the, it's all about human con, human connection. And I just heard a beautiful quote, um, and it was the, pe the people who want to change the people who change the world are those that value human connections. And um, I wish I could tell you that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, it'll be a post post out that I'll, I'll send it to you. But I think work study is really important because a lot of times the the students that come here not I shouldn't say that. I'll, I'll stick with a lot of times. I could be wrong, but a lot of times the students that come to Miami Dade College, they're maybe they didn't come from a home of, of surrounded by professionals. Okay, maybe their parents weren't lawyers, doctors, teachers. You know, um, you know, in the in the professional realm, and so they may lack that. And I grew up, like I said, very middle class. My dad was a drywall contractor. My mom was a licensed practical nurse. Um, so very blue collar. And I think a lot of our students are blue collar, all right? So they don't know a lot of uh, you know, professor types or med medical doctor types and that kind of thing. Work study allows them to rub elbows with professionals. They're not working at Chick-fil-A, which I, we know, you know Chick-fil-A or Macy's and all these places we love, uh, McDonald's, etc. That's fine, yes, but you're not surrounded by professional types. When they're in work study, and I and I was a work study student, and it blew my mind. Of, you know, I, I got to work with the director of Latin American Studies. In my dreams, what I, and as a 21 year old, a 20 year old, 19 year old, be able to work with the director of Latin American Studies because I was a work study. And look at the students who are, are working at financial aid offices. They're working with the director, or in students, they're working with people with PhDs that are, have JDs who have masters. That's a way to kind of compensate for all those years of not being surrounded by professionals. It's a way to help them have an accelerated growth into the professional world while they're in college. And so my advice is take a class, any class. You choose the class, get your feet dipped in that water. Mm -hmm.
there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 9 comes to a close. Mrs. Kelly Hernandez, say yes and discover your secret sauce. We hope you enjoy the insight. We hope you enjoyed the roller coaster, the passion, and the advice that Kelly delivered by simply and passionately, I might say, speak on her journey into what has helped mold her into who she is today and help propel her forward into her continued transformation in who she is passionately and purposefully trying to become. For feedback, comments, questions, concerns, collaboration, please reach out. The email for me is why Nemeroff with one F at ndc.edu. Please rate us, like us, comment on anything on any of the platforms that you find ourselves uh, encountering you on your day-to-day basis and that you are listening on. Greatly appreciate it. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. There is definitely more to come. Hopefully one of the future episodes will feature you. Uh, we would welcome your story on our episode and archive it with the greatest amount of honor and intention that we do all of our interviewees. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, We hope you are inspired. We hope you continue to say yes and find your magic to convert it into your secret sauce and uh, we bid you farewell.